to buy a smile from you. Oh, why can't losers have fun too? Third Gear, Why Can't Losers Have Fun Too on Island 1069 WIISQS. Good morning, Gwen Filosa in with you for It's Too Early. That's the name of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. And uh, we're going to bring our you know, bring up my guest right away. I'm super excited to have her on the show. She was a staff writer on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert for four seasons. Before that, wrote for The Onion. She's a performer and a writer now. Her debut short story collection is Big Time. And we are going to talk about tons of things. Jen Spira, good morning. Good morning, Gwen. Thank you so much for having me. It is early. I was going to ask if it's early for you. You know what? I'm so ashamed. I was sleeping. I was sleeping moments ago. I mean, I I, I, I really need to change. I really need to change my ways. It doesn't feel adult. <laughs> it's it, There's nothing to be ashamed about, but you are kind of a bad person. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> like me. You're right. Like me. I'm, I'm, I barely make it ever. I'm barely holding on, Jen. I'm barely wow. holding on to reality. Gun. I mean, I'm so impressed with you, even though I know by morning show standards, this is pretty darn late i mean you know this is i mean morning shows i associate with truly brutal inhumane like six timetables yeah, yeah so this actually is so civilized i know but... my friend gave me the name and i he's it was a joke because i'm i'm known for being a late person but i <laughs> no I'm a, I'm a morning person for like five years and i, I hate it um but oh. uh, congratulations on big time thank you so much how exciting thank you. and um, yes i mean I wrote a bunch of it actually in Savannah where I randomly hit out during the Demi, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which is, which is kind of weird, but um, closer to where you physically are in the world. Yeah. Savannah's great. Los Angeles pretty cool um, town. You were inspired by the ghost of Flannery O'Connor. Am I right? Well, her house was really Her house was on a square that was really close to mine. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't help be inspired by her ghost and um, John Barrett. I'm trying to think of other Savannah writers. He wrote Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, but I was coming up short. That wasn't as good as Flannery. It, it really wasn't. But remember when it was so popular and you're like, oh, my, it, was, it was culture for like two years. For two years. Yeah, it was. It was actually in New York. I, I actually live near like a block away from the townhouse that he bought off of like when it, it blew up and he like became a rich man was, it was which is such a fantasy i know and then they had a movie and it, i don't think it was good yeah movie, but it's a movie okay totally well well you know i mean like many adaptations like the original material was better it, it it just really was now jen you have written for the new yorker a lot of stuff in the new yorker the new york times yes. mcsweeney's wall street journal daily beast and and of course we got to talk about late show with stephen colbert mm. how did how did, did how did you get that gig oh you know and, and that is that is such a sweet gig because in the world of tv writing these late night shows they're so wonderful to write for because they're so stable uh, but but writing for Steven was extra special because I just was a fan of his from so long, starting with Strangers with Candy, which I discovered in high school, the show he did with his best friend Paul Dinello and Amy Sedaris, of course. Um, so I got that gig because, I mean, the leg up, like, it was so cool. It was like every comedy person I knew, I was living in Chicago at the time doing improv and sketch. 
we, I literally, like I heard of the show, like everyone else, it was just sort of, you just knew about it. And I got like the email to apply from someone, but the leg up that I have to admit to is that I was on staff at the onion at the time, the satirical online newspaper. And Steven is a fan of the onion. I mean, I was a fan of the onion before I started to mm, write for them. Yeah. So, so he, you know, they liked my packet, but then they also saw, Ooh, and she, you know, um, she writes for the onion and they looked up some of the stuff I did. And so that was the leg up because it's very, very hard to stand out to get hired for one of these jobs. So I, I absolutely have to like, you know, I have to give props to the onion, which is just a brand at an institution that Stephen already adored. And so I was associated and that helped indeed. Well, let me, let me back up to the onion. Why is yeah. it always right? They get everything <laughs> oh, God, right. They, when I see it on my Instagram, I first always for a second I'm like, oh, this is a story, uh, but but why? Why? What is so successful? You know, listen, it's actually insane. I don't. It's so special because that group, and it's always you know, it's like it's a rotating group of people. Although there've been Chad Knackers, the current editor, has been there for much of the time um, since it started in Wisconsin, and like I guess I think the late '80s, but. It's, you know, they have, I guess that in, in terms of being all feeling always right and also hopefully just super funny and um, surprising with the jokes, they have really, really, really high standards. Like they will never do a headline, a joke that anyone else has done on Twitter. Um, they won't do it, it, it. Even if if two writers in the Onion Writers Room pitch a headline that is similar, that alone will cancel that idea out because the idea is if two guys are coming up with this, it's too much of a first thought wow. um, joke. They just have really the standards are brutal, and I don't know how it attracts. I, I don't know. They I, I know because it is. It's like an uncom. It's also an uncommonly just hard writer's room i mean there's not a lot of laughter that there can be laughter when you're brainstorming the joke but when you're actually pitching the joke it's kind of your nightmare situation as a writer where you read from a page that you have all your headlines on and you read to silence you know in the room and people don't laugh they just say yes if they like your headlines so i don't but yeah in terms of how they keep the standard high it's it's kind of unclear i mean i'm just i started off as such a big fan i'm so glad that you like it i just i yeah i'm, I'm a lot older than you i'm so sorry that i'm explaining the onion to you no 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 no, no. i just meant I'm, i feel old every day now so it's it's <laughs> like um but but now what is the writer's room like at uh, colbert show it's it's so it's so fun it's so it's so different in terms of the actual way that it operates um, from the onion so it is it's bigger I would say maybe it's like fourteen writers and then there's even like a brain trust of producer writers who these are guys and and women who have been with Stephen since the rapport the Colbert rapport and they are um, there's like there's five of them. Um, so it's a pretty big room, and the way that it works is you get in there at like now. Actually, and this was too early for me. Um, you get in at eight thirty sharp, mm. and you do a half hour meeting with just the writers and the head writers, and that is to you pitch the um, you know, the idea that you came up with for that day, and then the idea there is that you separate the wheat from the chaff. Hopefully, the stuff that kind of like you know you know it, it isn't great. You just kind of drop for the next meeting in half an hour at nine. When you go into a separate, bigger room, and then Stephen's in there, 
there and um, his his showrunner, the executive producer, and just like a bunch of producers, maybe like 40 people. And you basically do the same meeting again, but this time you're performing your pitch for Steven. So, you know, you have to come correct with the energy. You have to really stand behind your pitch. And that, you know, since you're doing it every day, you know, every day you don't think you have a homer. Um, and, you know, it's, but, but you really, but, but, you really have to still be enthusiastic and really like fully endorse your pitch because you are basically saying, Hey Steven, I think you should do this on TV tonight. Um, so you, you have to like act like you uh, are confident about it. That's great. That's great. Now let's talk about big time. Your debut yes. short story collection available everywhere that fine books are sold. Uh, it's God, a collection yeah. of stories. And um, I've, I've read a lot of your work in the New Yorker. Is it, is oh, it similar to the, Oh yeah. I was up late. <laughs> I was, oh, I, was like, I this is um, I mean, I, my subscription lapsed, so I have to sneak in on well, online. Sure. But uh, sure. what are the stories like? What inspired you? And and uh, what are they? They're about some some real cool stuff, real parody. <laughs> there's some there's some uh, dark things going on. That's true. That's true. It's so funny because they they can get very sort of they can get silly, they can get zany, and um, and go to crazy places. But they they all start from really, really relatable places and, and certainly personal places for me. So um, one of the stories uh, that I was really pleased that really pleased with, it's the one that I wrote right after I actually left The Colbert Show to finish the book. Um, it's called Birthday Girl, and it's a very sort of wild ride, which is about um, a, a friend who goes on her sort of very sort of drama queeny friends um, 34th destination birthday. And I, I was honestly, I mean, I'm making fun of equally myself because I am one of these adult. I'm so sorry, but we're losers. These people that really care about our birthdays. I'm so ashamed of this. So disgusted with myself. And you know, when I have to say, I mean, I'm 35. My birthday is coming up July 27th already. I'm like, I'm mad at my inner circle. It's no one will know. It's never going to be enough. I'm always disappointed. So I'm disgusted <laughs> with myself. So I'm making fun of that person. But then I'm also making fun of the, the, our main character is this girl who's very sweet. And she's, she's a little bit of a loser. And she's enthralled by her sparkling drama queen friend. And I feel like I've been the cool friend, the, the drama friend. And I've been the sort of lame, I'm enthralled by you. I'll do anything you do or say friend and so so yeah that that one came from that but then we go to some very weird places for this birthday party that's where it gets not autobiographical <laughs> of course uh, yeah you're in costa rica for uh I, I, don't, I just made that up i actually kind of a birthday person i i i, I go oh, a I weekend i go a weekend to celebrate okay. um, my friends had a party for me and one couldn't go so they're like we're gonna do it the next day and i was like okay this is my life but it was <laughs> fine and but i'm not a month the month you need psychiatric care if you want to celebrate totally. your birthday for a month totally and destination birthday is that a real thing it's i mean it is for rich people and i it really is like i i just i did just hear i i randomly was into which was which was so exciting actually it was like a trip that i took myself on and my husband to celebrate the book and um and I and we met some like adorable, very rich New York 
like uh, this couple who were, they were 30. He's a DJ. Like it doesn't really make, you just know they're rich. Cause it's like, they say they live in the West village and he's a DJ. So it's like, okay. So obviously your families are rich. And then after Jamaica, they were just going to go to Montana for a friend's, like a, a friend's 30th birthday. And he, and it was just like, okay, so that's, but it was like going to be a special thing and he was going to DJ it. So it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of those. And, uh, well, things. That's that's amazing. I I did not know. Wanted to ask you about your uh, comedy influences and inspirations growing up. You grew up in Squirrel Ooh. Hill, Pittsburgh, which sounds so cute. <laughs> it's the cutest name of any. And I because I read. Yeah. I'm just reading from this Vanity Fair interview. Oh <laughs> yes. And I I was like, oh, I watched seven hours of TV a day, and I, just like you say, and I actually was into dark like Dark Shadows. No child should watch that. Oh, oh my God! I haven't seen Dark Shadows. I'm super old. That's what. But I was oh. into the serial killer stuff, like like you say, the cops, cop stuff, stuff I shouldn't have oh, been amazing. watching. Oh, amazing! Yes, yes, yes. Okay, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, it's funny because most of the people that I've met, most of my friends in late night and who work in scripted comedy and TV, I mean, you know, it's like their influences was a they watched late night as kids, you know, I and they loved Letterman, they Letterman. loved Conan. I mean. I I did not watch, I certainly didn't watch Late Night, and I wasn't really, like, aware of comedy as a thing. I mean, I said, you know, my, my biggest, earliest first influences were, like, old Hollywood. I just really liked old movies. And, indeed, I would watch, I would watch the stuff that my dad wanted to watch when, like, you know, he, he worked really long hours, and when he came home, it's like, he would watch things with me, and this is weird. I mean, really incredibly disturbing r-rated movies and i it's i think he said i think he thought i was so young we saw uh, i watched pet cemetery with him when i was four Oof. i don't i don't think he thought i like understood what was going on and he just wanted to watch what he wanted to watch i i happened i love those movies i'm a huge stephen king fan and when he came on on the show on stephen's show it was like so exciting to you know wow, he's the meet best. this guy but yeah but i mean i so yeah essentially comedy for me like it wasn't i came to it honestly in high school and so before that i was just into the stuff i was into which was not overtly um comedy at all i mean like you know 19th century literature as in maybe you know when i was from 10 on and then before that a lot of detective stuff and but, but then in, in, in high school, the things that, I mean, Strangers with Candy, Stephen's yeah. show really cracked it open. And Kids in the Hall, the Canadian Love sketch them. show. Oh, my God. I know. I was like, this is so awesome. But you, and, but you know what? Not really. I wasn't, like, that into SNL. I wouldn't, like, watch it a lot. Um, it honestly wasn't. It wasn't really. It, I mean, Kids in the Hall and Strangers is a lot weirder than SNL, and that's what way. I was sparking to. Yeah, we're so much alike. I'm gonna call. Oh you my god! Every literally, day. we're twins. I mean, we're, we're like best friends. So you have to come to my birthday. Let's do eight fifteen p.m. Oh my <laughs> yes! Oh well, please, your weekend. I appreciate you coming on the big show, Jen Spira. Great website, jenspira.com. Big Time is the short story collection. Check it out, everybody. But you have a great website, by the way. I'm, oh, my God. Thank you. I'm a reporter, Jesus. and I, I'm on the websites a lot. And sometimes you just like, this has no information. But yours is all yeah. your writing is there and oh, jokes yay. and Twitter. <laughs> and I'll, uh, we will talk soon. But thank you, Jen. And congratulations. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Glenn. Have, okay. a, have a great day. Take care. You too. Bye -bye. All right.
Jen Spira. Again, her uh, website is jenspira.com. That's S-P-Y-R-A. And uh, she is amazing. Check it out. And we're going to push on with a song. This is Fiona Apple, Criminal. I'll be back with your headlines and weather forecast. Stick around, everyone. Once it has. 